The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. All right, we're going to read God's Word, and we are in the book of James. And it'll be up on the screen, or you can read it in your Bible, um, or flip on the Axe app. It'll be located there for you. But James chapter 2, we are going through the book of James. And today's James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and it says this. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen. My beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has uh, promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. All right. So, we are continuing our series of practical faith through the book of James and what that looks like and, and that our faith is, is not just this lofty thing of this spiritual thing, but it's actually real. It actually affects everything we do in daily life and it, and it flows through us. And it's not something, uh, we don't do these, these works to, to please God, but we do them because we have faith and they flow naturally through us. And, um, and that is what we're talking about. We, this is our third week of this series. The first week we talked about trials and temptations. And the second week we talked about um, not only hearing the word but doing it and what that looks like and that it flows through us naturally. And today we're going to talk about partiality or in other versions it talks about favoritism and what that means. And, and so um, to start off, um, I have favorites. You probably have favorites as well. My favorite football team is the Dallas Cowboys, yeah? Woo, all right, there's like two of you. All right. Uh, <laughs> my favorite vacation spot is the beach. Anybody else a beach goer out there? Yeah. I've seen on Facebook some of my friends are there this weekend. I'm like, oh, I'd love to be there, right? Um, my daughter's favorite color, all right? Get this. A couple years ago, she had to fill out one of those things for school, and she wrote down, favorite color, rainbow, all right? Because she couldn't just pick one, she picked them all, right? Um, now, and as an at an early age, we're, we're taught to pick favorites, right? What is my favorite color? What is my, my favorite TV show? Whatever. We, we love to have favorites. But James here is telling us, all right, favorites are great, but when it comes to people, when it comes to, to people that God has entrusted us to, we are not to have favorites and not to show partiality. And we're going to unpack that a little bit, talk about that and what that means. And we're going to do so in the, in the lens of three kind of points. And, and these have to do with... Um, like an ailment. If you go to the doctor, you usually go for symptoms, right? You have an aching leg or something inside hurts, right? So we have symptoms. The doctor then gives us a diagnosis, what he thinks it is, and then we get the cure and how we can eventually uh, be um, 
better from that. So that's what our message outline is going to look like, symptom, diagnosis, and cure um, as we follow that. So I want to give you uh, real quick, as we talk about this word, uh, uh, partiality or favoritism, um, as some versions say. It actually literally means, the Greek literally means to receive someone according to their face. So straight up by their appearance, all right? And that's what was going on. Is we just read that, that, that uh, people were coming into worship in their services. Uh, this is the early church, so they're, they're still trying to figure things out. Um, they hadn't had a lot of public services up to that point, maybe a couple years. Uh, they may still have been meeting in homes, uh, more underground. We don't know for sure. But, um, but this obviously is a problem. And James has to address this right, up, right off the bat. And he says, guys, this isn't okay. We've got rich people that come in and they're dressed very nicely and you give them honor and you have them sit up in front. And you've got people that you're judging by their appearance that maybe have some shabby clothing, uh, don't look all that great, and you're having them sit in the back or even sit at your feet because you're, you're counting them as a slave um, and, and showing disrespect to them in that way. And so James says, no, this should not be. This should not be. Um, and I want to read just part of that to you. I explain the first half, uh, starting at verse 4. Have you then not made the distinction among yourselves and become judged with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in the faith and heirs in the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? So basically he's saying, all right, guys, even though you judge them by their appearance, they have things to offer us. And oftentimes, it's, it's the poor, it's the people you least expect, not the people with authority or power that teach us the lessons, right? That show us the way to live. Uh, the Beatitudes are all of that. In Matthew 5, where he says, blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Blessed are those that thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those that, that hunger, right? And, uh, and it says sometimes we're in this upside-down kingdom, it are, it's those people that can teach us the most about what it's like to follow Jesus. Um, so I'd also like to say that in this context, it's more than just appearance, that sometimes it can be about um, following people based upon or showing favoritism or, or partiality based upon how educated they are or how uh, connected they are or how valuable you think they are or um, what social circles they walk in. And you want to be connected to them because you want to have greater value and get to know them um, for some purpose of your own, right? Uh, a lot of you guys, there are four of you that stood up here, uh, are about to graduate or have graduated. Um, and I love this quote, is that some, some of you are maybe really excited to high school, to get out of high school. Some may be kind of scared, and, and what's that next step look like? But I love this, and, and this is probably true for most of us, is that you can take people out of high school, but you can't take the high school out of some people, right? Know what I mean? Yeah. Is that, that uh, hopefully you can get out of high school and, and you don't have to deal with the games and the, the cliques and the favoritism and all that. I mean, that still happens in life, um, but there's a lot less of that in high school than, than later on in life. And so um, that's our hope, but for some reason, sometimes people can't always embrace that. And so what James says here is that faith and favoritism, they don't mix, Right? Uh, God's presence and prejudice are actually a contradiction, and that Jesus and judgment don't work. So we're going to look at what this looks like um, from our point of view. Remember, uh, that's our diagnosis. These are our symptoms. Is there's this favoritism going on within the church, 
um, and within their society. And so what does that look like? Um, this last week as I'm preparing this message, sometimes I, I just need a break. And so I hopped onto Facebook and just started scrolling through. And, and I found something that I was like, oh, I really want to like that. Not so much because, you know, I like it, but I want to like it because when you like things, other people can see what you like, and that will make me appear very smart, right? You ever done that before? Maybe it's just me. Uh, but, but sometimes we do that, and we have this social presence because we want other people to think of us in different ways or, or to see this side of us, um, and so we have control over that. And uh, I started thinking as I go back to my message going, man, I'm writing a thing about favoritism, about showing attention to things because I want attention, right? And, and I am showing that because I want people to, to like me, to be favorited towards me. And, and uh, I was really convicted by that. Um, and that's really what verse 6 talks about here in James. Is he says this, uh, But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones that drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? You see, oftentimes we try to impress people uh, that we could care less about, right? Uh, I love this quote by Dave Ramsey. He says this, um, We have things that we don't need, or we buy things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like, right? We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like, Right? That's true. That's true for me. That's true probably for you too, right? Um, that, that we try to keep up this image or this persona um, and try to favorite people or, or show partiality so that it can feed our ego a little bit more. And that impulse is in you. It's in me. And, and we're daily fighting against that. I don't know if you think about how many times a, a day or a week or a month that maybe happens. Um, but we're going to look at now the diagnosis. So what is, what is the deeper issue behind that, right? The symptoms are there. But what is actually going on with this text? And I, I believe it's uh, something more about this, that at a deeper level, favoritism and partiality is about value. It's about value, right? And not just how you view other people, but how you view your own value, right? How you view your own value. Yes, of course, we're supposed to take care of those people and, and get to know the people that come into our, our circles and, and, and not show favoritism. But, but in reality, the way we treat people is oftentimes what we think about ourselves. And so let's unpack that a little bit more. Uh, vicarious value. Here's a term I like to, to call the diagnosis is this. Vicarious value. Vicarious really meaning just um, to, to live through one another. Um, but when you're connected to a person that you perceive has value, it makes you believe you have more value. Uh, when you connect to a person that you perceive has more status, it makes you believe that you have more status, right? Uh, when you connect to a person that you believe is more culturally important, it makes you believe that you are more culturally important, right? Um, and this can sometimes be manifest in the ways that we name drop, right? And sometimes uh, uh, we might say things like, oh, I was having dinner with so-and-so, and we talked about this, but you don't really care about what you talked about. It was more about sharing who you had dinner with, right? Or, or maybe... Um, he said, oh, this one time I got to meet so-and-so, and they gave me a high five, and it was awesome, right? And maybe it was some celebrity that you're like, yeah, I got to meet them. I, I feel better. I have more status because I actually knew them, right? We go way back. Um, and that, that sometimes is a, a key thing. I had a, an intern that worked with me one time, and, and he uh, constantly would name drop, and he would say, oh, yeah, me and this district president, we go way back. Or, or uh, yeah, I know this one guy or this pastor. Yeah, we're good friends. And, 
And I finally had to stop him and say, hey, those people are great. I don't really know them, and I don't care. I just want to know about you. Tell me about your story. Who are you, right? And he was kind of taken aback and, oh, yeah. But, I mean, it, it got me to think how often we do that, right? How often we, we say things to try and impress other people and make ourselves look better by the circles we, we run in or, or the people that we know. And, and I, I like to think that this is really an inability to trust in our own value, right? Trust in our own value as beautiful people who were created by a beautiful God in his image, right? And when we fail to do this, our diagnosis is that we are, um, we are broken, right? And we'll look at that a little bit more. Um, but when I don't know my own value, I look for it in other people, right? When I'm not secure in my own value, I look for other people to give that to me. But when we are secure in our value and who we are and whose we are, then we're freed to then give that to other people, right? And the name value in them. And that's an amazing thing. Um, this is a hard thing, right? We are in a culture that is constantly judging. We're constantly ranking. We're constantly analyzing. We're constantly deciding who's in, who's out, who's cool, who's not, right? Um, who's attractive, who's not, who's supposed to, who we're supposed to follow and, and uh, who we're supposed to give our attention to, right? And it's hard to imagine a world or a way of life or judging or ranking or analyzing critiquing, and favoritism is not the main thing that filters all of our relationship. And I think James really addresses this um, issue of ranking and judging in the next section of verses, and and we're going to read that. It'll be up on the screen. He says this, starting at verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become accountable for it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act of those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. And I'm very humbled by that, right? Because how often do we often say or think, man, I'm not so bad, right? I haven't killed anybody today. I haven't committed adultery. You know, maybe I've gossiped a little, but that's, that's really no big deal, right? Uh, maybe I haven't rested as much as I should have and, you know, obeyed that commandment. Or, you know, we go through our checklist. We say, I'm really not that bad. And if there was like a seesaw scale, we're like, eh, God will make me slide down this way, Right? But that's not what James is saying. James is saying if you break even one point of the law, you're guilty of breaking them all, right? Um, I love this analogy to help explain this. Is, is during World War II, they, they, uh, to find out if people were, were dead on the battlefield and to go quickly, you know, they didn't take a pulse or anything. What they did is they had a mirror, and they would hold it up to uh, the soldier's mouth, and they would breathe on it, or hopefully. And uh, if they saw fog on the mirror, they knew there was still life in them. But if they didn't, they knew they had passed away. And I think God does that to us through his law, right? He holds his mirror up to our mouths, and every single one of us are guilty of breaking the entire law. There is no life whatsoever in us spiritually because we have broken some part. Maybe we haven't, you know, maybe we kept some of it, but we've broken at least one of the commandments. I'm guessing probably way more. But uh, we are spiritually dead, 
And that's our diagnosis, is that we are, we are spiritually dead. We cannot uh, revive ourselves. You don't have people on the battlefield and you're like, well, they're more dead than this guy. No, you're either dead or you're not dead, right? And that's what, what James is saying here, is that we are all broken. We are all on the level playing field. So whether rich or poor, whether we judge or we think they're cooler or whatever, it doesn't matter. We all have equal value, right? And here's where I think the, uh, the cure comes in. And the cure uh, says this, and uh, Paul really talks about this and speaks to this. In Colossians 3, he says, In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. You see, um, before Jesus, it was all about ranking. It was all about who was better and who was, a, you know, the Pharisees were all about that. Well, I keep the whole law, or I do this, right? But Jesus said, no, there's a new way. You're all broken. You've all sinned. You've all fallen short of the glory of God. But he says, no, what once divided you, I have come now to unify you. Because no longer are you this or this or this or this or this or this. No, you are all one in Jesus' name. And that is the beautiful part. That is our cure, right? Um, that we're, this was only done through Jesus' death and resurrection, right? He died to pay that price that we couldn't pay. He rose to give us new life. And he ascended into heaven to, to sit on the, the um, seat of God, to the right hand of God that one day we will go and join them. And that is what we celebrate. That is what we sing about. That is what we, why we come together to, to be reminded of that, to be refreshed by that truth. Um, and here's the cool thing, is Jesus didn't just leave us alone. He said, no, I am creating the kingdom of God, and, and you get to live in this kingdom of God, that I have uh, brought that kingdom here to earth. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer. Um, and he said, I am created a system where you get to meet more fully human right? Where you get to be more fully human. And we as the church now get to live this out, right? Where we are allowed to be more fully human and the way things actually were intended to be. And we have the chance to reflect this reality, to create this, to, to share this with other people, right? An alternative way. And James talks about that we have the chance to show the world that there's a much more beautiful way of being human together, right? That we don't focus on who's in, who's out. But we focus on just loving everyone, right? And here's why. is because everyone has value. Everyone um, is loved and is a child of God in the eyes because he died for all, right? And we, so we don't have to prove or, or try to impress other people by the things we do or trying to show favoritism, but, but no, we are all intrinsically given value by what Jesus has done for us, right? So you don't have to worry. You don't have to be have fear of being analyzed or being judged or being critiqued, which then frees us to let our guards down, right? To let our guards down uh, so that you can be loved and embraced. And here in the kingdom of God, the more important thing is not the image that you feel that you need to portray, but rather the image that God places on you as a chosen, chosen, dearly loved child. That he comes to us in our baptism and he claims us and he says, you are mine. Nobody can take you away from me. I'm putting my seal on you that, that you are mine forever and that because of that you have value, you have worth and no matter what anybody else says that you are loved. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I fall in this trap of forgetting that, and it's exhausting, right? It's exhausting, it's tiring, it's frustrating to keep in the rat race of, of the ranking, of the comparing system, right? When I'm really challenged to, to love or to live in that, that what God has freely given to us in that value. Um, I want to give this metaphor for you to help kind of understand it a little bit better. Uh, anybody love tubing out there? Right? Anybody going this weekend? Yeah, all right, there's a couple. Good. I love tubing. I love going down to, you know, San Marcos and going on the river and just enjoying a cold one and sitting there and the cold river is just so great and meeting new people. Um, but uh, here's the analogy, is that we are sitting in that river going down the tube. We are surrounded by water. But sometimes we forget that. And we may yell to the, the guy on the side, hey, I'm really hot over here. Can you give me a Dixie cup full of water so I can pour it over myself? Right? And we ask for people along the way as we're tubing down the river of life to fulfill that value and to cool us off and to, to fulfill that thirst in our life. When, in reality, we're surrounded by it. We're sitting in that pool of grace that Jesus freely gives to us. And we only need to just remember that and to, to soak that in rather than to look for our value and the people on the shore and ask for these small little things that will eventually run out um, when we look for our value in those ways. And here's the cool part about this, is that as a community, when we embrace that value, when we, when we really uh, live that out, it frees us up to name that value in other people, right? To not so much focus on ourselves, but to know that other people have that value and to name that in them and to share that with them. And that's what I love about Acts is that we, we get to do that through our service and through, through loving our neighbors and through uh, just our daily lives as we leave this place. And when we stop uh, looking to others to find that value and we rest in what God has already done for us and needing that from other people, you'll actually be surprised how much more energy you have, right? Um, to love other people, to include them, uh, to, to create, to welcome, to share things um, in this world that actually matter. And so what James is really saying to us today is, do you actually know who you are, right? Do you know whose you are, and especially what value and what you are worth? And so I hope you remember that. One of the ways we get to do that every week is we get to take the Lord's Supper, right? And this is where Jesus says, we take him at his word, he says, this is my body, this is my blood, and he gives us this meal to us to strengthen us, to empower us, to, to remind us of that value of what he has done for us and how he has given us that value intrinsically, right? And so I hope as we take that today that you are reminded of that, that you um, are able to, to bask in that grace that he surrounds us with as we get to float down the river of life. So may you be strengthened in faith, reminded of your value, and freed to love and share with those around you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given your life, that you have ended the cycle of ranking, of comparing, of favoritism, and you have given us a new way of living, a way where we can, can uh, soak in the value that you have given to us because of your death and resurrection. Help us to live that out. Help us to be reminded of that daily so that we can then also give that to other people. We can name that value in others and so that more and more people will come to know you, to love you, and to follow you. 
And Lord, we also, in this time of silence that we're about to have, we remember, we, we, um, we reflect upon these words, but we also come to you as broken people that have broken part of your law and are therefore guilty of all of it. So we confess those sins to you. We come to you um, as people that have uh, broken that in thoughts, in words, and in deeds. So Lord, we, we come to you now at this time. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.